Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Come on, y'all doing well today? Look at somebody and say, your life can change today. It can happen in a moment. We're in a series called Soulmates. Anybody happy for marriages? Anybody happily married in here? Come on. That, oh, wow. That wasn't very loud. Anybody happily married? Anybody single? Anybody, anybody single, and ready, single and ready to mingle? Come on. Anybody single? Look around. Hands up. Look around. See the hands that are up. Find somebody after church. Hopefully, I'm going to help you today. Uh, I've got a few minutes to speak to you today on the topic of marriage, and so uh, I heard my wife did a great job last week, so thankful for her. I got, I was, I got to, I got to go listen online, it helped me, and so I was in St. Louis, but there's no better place that I'd rather be than here on Sunday morning, so so excited about what God's doing in our church. Uh, we're in a series called Soulmates, and so today I'm going to jump right in, and I'm just going to kind of ramble today. Is that all right? I'm going to ramble a little bit. I don't, I don't have a whole lot of uh, specific, you know, not, I'm not going to come at you like I normally do. This wouldn't be kind of a, a normal package message. I'm just going to give you some thoughts. And um, I, I want to say this. I, I never intend to be offensive. That's never my goal, uh, to be offensive. That's not my, my desire. Like, um, but, I, but I'm okay if uh, the Word of God offends all of us. Because the Word of God's offensive. And so, I, you know, I don't think I'm offensive. I, I think like, I just, so I'm going to say some things today, and you might get offended, but I'm not offensive. I, I'm, it's not me. <laughs> and if you want to prove that, go to work tomorrow, and just, just at, at lunch table, just be like, what do y'all think about Jesus? <laughs> just bring him up. Just bring Jesus up tomorrow at work. Like, like he, he's offensive, right? And so um, we're in a clash of kingdom versus culture. The culture is trying to dominate and uh, come after what we believe is kingdom, and so I think that it's important uh, that we take a stand uh, and be strong when it comes to marriage and the doctrines of marriage and, and the foundation of marriage and the church, this, this that you're a part of the church, not a building, the church, the truth, the doctrine, the, the word of God is the pillar and foundation of truth, the pillar and foundation, the rock of truth. And so pillar and foundation and rock to me mean it can't be moved. It can't be pushed. It can't be bullied. And I think we've been bullied too long as the church. I just think we have been. I just think that we're always worried about, you know, is everybody, you know, we just gotta, we just gotta do what everybody else wants and make everybody feel okay. That's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus did. And so, so when we look at marriage and, uh, uh, Jesus even told his mom no at one point his mom and brothers were coming to get him. They thought he was crazy. He's ministering. Think he's nuts. They're like, he's embarrassing us. Go get him. Come on, go get him. So his mom shows up and his brothers and they're like, Hey Jesus, your mom and brother are out there to get you. And he's like, no. Who is, he goes, who is my mother and brother? But he who does the will of God. Basically what he was saying is, no relationship in my life is going to pull me or influence me away from the word and will of God. And how many of you know that relationships have influence? And as a church, we need to be decided as families, as individuals, as, as couples, we need to be decided that no relationship is going to pull me away from the truth and the will and word of God. I'm not just going to compromise because it just feels good and it's just what's normal in culture. Relationships have influence. And so marriages are under attack 
more than ever before, and here's why. In Ephesians, it says that your marriage is a picture, or marriages are a picture or a mirror of Jesus married to his church, Jesus and his bride. Satan hates your marriage. He hates marriages because when Satan looks at marriages, they are a mirror that remind him of what's going to defeat him. They remind him of what's going to destroy him and his kingdom, Jesus and his church. And so he tries to do everything he can to destroy marriage and and redefine what marriage is. And so here's some challenges we have for marriage in our culture. Uh, Marriage is optional. That's a big challenge today. It's optional. We can set up homes. We can set up families. We can have kids. We can have children. We can do all the things. We can play house. We can do all the things that we do and not be married. It's optional. We used to have words for that. That weren't, that weren't optional, it's called, and, and it's called sin in the Bible. Is that okay? Can we say that word? This is a real word. It doesn't mean anybody's horrific. It just means we miss God's best. We miss the mark of what God wanted for us. And so it's not optional. Marriage is disposable. It is not disposable. I know there's horrific circumstances that take place. God can heal from anything. But, but I would say that I understand there's certain situations, abuse and, and things that aren't safe and things that are, are, are horrific. And so humanity is, is painful. But, but there are things, if two people love God and can come together, there can be forgiveness and there can be uh, healing and there can be restoration. And, and marriage shouldn't just be disposable. Come on, there's a little jewelry store in Hollywood that says wedding rings for rent here. <laughs> You know, it's just, it shouldn't be disposable. Marriage is redefinable. Oh, well, marriage can just be, you know, we can just, you know, we don't need, we can be between a, a man and a man, a woman and a woman. We can just have, we can just, anybody can be married. It's the first time in history of our civilization that we're defining what the, the, this type of marriage. Marriage has always been rooted in God, rooted in nature, never rooted in whatever we decide it is. Does that make sense? Marriage is doubted. We have a generation of people like, ah, you know, we can do everything we need to do. We can have sex. We can have, we've come from broken homes. We've, broke, we've seen broken vows. We've seen pain. We've seen, we've seen all types of stuff. And so we don't really need marriage. What Do we really need a piece of paper to be in love? No. You know, so there's this doubt about what marriage is. And then marriage is not prepared for. I think in our culture, many of us don't prepare. You can get a driver's license easier than you can get, a, uh, um, easier than you can get married. You can get married easier than you can get a driver's license a lot of times. And so I know in Texas, you have to, to get a marriage license, you have to wait three days because they got a little, a three-day waiting period in case you hung over. <laughs> they want to make sure. That's Texas. Come on, Texas. That's in Texas, somebody. So, so here's what I want to say. Um, here's a stipulation. The principles of marriage and family do not change just because culture changes. And, and in our church, I'm going to say this. People can be a lot of things. People can be so many things in our church. People can be loved. People can be given generously to. People can be counseled. People can be championed. People, people can experience grace. People can be welcomed. But we will not, as a church, I will not affirm things that are against the word and will of God. I won't do it. And so I just hope, I mean, I just, I, y'all might be like, man, I don't know. I, I just, for me, and in our house, we believe in the word of God. We love all, all people. This isn't a judgment. This isn't coming against anybody. We're judging. No, no, no. People are welcome. But we're going to stand strong for the word and will of God because kingdom is under attack. Does that make sense? Genesis 2.18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. The word comparable or fit to him means opposite and against. It means opposite but alike. So, so alike but opposite, a different, a different um, biological uh, sex. I, I'm going to make man, it's not good that man's alone. The Garden of Eden was not perfect. It was optimal. It was not perfect because man was alone. God said it's not good. Man should not be alone. I'll make a helper. The word helper we get there is actually the word 
word we get for Holy Spirit. So it's not like a helper to do menial tasks and little things around the house. It's not what it is. It's like the Holy Spirit. I'll make one that can, completes him and is compatible with him and complementary to him so that they can be together in unified strength. Genesis 2.24, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. So, so the, the, the context of marriage, it, they, they both need to be human. Genesis 1 27 they, they need to come from different families it's Genesis 2 24 and Genesis 2 18 and 20 both display sexual biological differences Jesus spoke of this in in Mark 10 Jesus reinforced Jesus reinforced the sexual ethic in the New Testament. He reinforced it. I just was with a young man. Uh, uh, he came up to me and I was sharing some of this and he said, thank you for being strong. He's a, he came out of a homosexual lifestyle at 15 years old. He says, I have two children. I have a family and I, I love them with all my heart. And I had a youth pastor that looked at me when I was 15 and said, this is not who you are. You were not created this way. And would you hold that as an anchor for your soul the rest of your life? He said, thank you for being a strong church, for being truthful because I've held that as an anchor in my life. And I have two beautiful children. I have a beautiful beautiful wife. And he looked at me, he goes, and I still struggle sometimes like we all do. Like we all do. But the reality is we will not just acquiesce to culture and do what everyone says is okay. I know it might be a little quiet in here today. Y'all might be like, whoa, I've had some walkouts. That's okay. Uh, the reality is that we're going to stand strong on the Bible and the verses, what God gives us. So there needs to be a biological differences. Jesus declares that the New Testament is clear on all of that. Again, no one's judged. We all struggle with certain things, but we're gonna go after a biblical lifestyle. Is that okay, everybody? I, here's the thing. I, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping I'm giving you freedom to not be scared of culture. I'm hoping, and what, really, when I share this, you can leave here and go, man, I'm not crazy. <laughs> You know, like, like we all have to be strong together. Revelation 2, uh, 5, the Passion Translation. I'm gonna get into marriage. I'm gonna help you all out and give you some thoughts about marriage. Think about how far you've fallen. Repent and do the works of love that you did at first. Think about how far, you're, how far you've fallen. Repent and do the works of love that you did at first. Somebody look at your spouse and say, do the work. Love takes work. This stuff is, is work. Uh, do the works of love. It says, consider how far you've fallen. Some of you might have a great marriage today. Others of you might be like, how did we get here? Because we fall. Life is tough. Things happen, and we back up. Consider how far you've fallen. What do you do? He says, repent. What's repent mean? It's where we get the word penthouse. It literally means be put back at the top. Be placed back in the original position. Be put back where God intended you at the highest place. That's repentance. My wife, all, all the time, I say, I'm sorry. She goes, I don't need you to say sorry. I need you to change. I just want to say sorry. <laughs> sorry. I just, you know, we like to just say sorry. Well, well, repentance means you're put back at the top and you begin to change. Here's the secret to keeping the blessing of your marriage or any blessing in your life, that you would understand what it took to get the blessing is the same thing it's going to take to keep the blessing. That's the secret to keeping the blessing. And so for us, we need to look at our marriages and look at our lives and go, what did it take to get this stuff? What did it take in our life to make sure we had this blessing? And so the best apology you and I can make is, is, is change in our life. I'm gonna change some things. I'm gonna not go in the crazy cycle. We can repent. Humble repentance is the answer to marriage. We can repent, take responsibility, 
We can change or we can go through the crazy cycle. You point out all that's wrong with her, she points out all that's wrong with you, and you keep in that cycle, right? It just keeps going on and on and on. So Ephesians 5, through 23, this is the passage of Scripture. I'm going to say some words today that are going to scare you, if I haven't scared you enough already. Um, and and these, the, everything you need for a healthy marriage is inside of these passages I'm getting ready to read. Everything. You're like, well, you don't understand my situation. It's too complicated. No, I, I do understand it. Here's why we want complicated situations. Because we want to believe and buy in and feed off. Our situation is so complicated. Therefore, it needs a huge complicated answer so that we don't have to do the work because we're too lazy to put in the hard work to actually make the simple things work. And so if it's really complicated, that means it's a really complicated solution that no one understands. And so we buy books for $400 for 150 keys to a good marriage and 822 steps to a healthy home. And the reality is, it's right here in the scriptures, Ephesians 5, 22 through 23, everything. But you don't understand my situation. Yes, I do. Read the Bible, go to church, repent, love each other, forgive, serve, give. Oh, it's that easy? Yes. <laughs> Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the church, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. Again, The Bible, it's not me. Wives, okay. For I'm gonna come at the men too, so ladies, don't get mad. I see y'all puckering up. Don't do it. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, yeah, ooh. Husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and, and, and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as they love their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, one flesh, of his flesh of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's not just sexual. That's unity. That's, that's, that's understanding this, these verses because there's, there's just this unification of the two. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So your, your, your marriage is a mirror of Jesus and the church. Nevertheless, let each one be in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husbands. And so... So those two words, there's, there's a cuss word in there. It's called submission. S everybody say it. S submission. That's a, that's a tough word. And then, ladies, if you think that's hard, we get crucifixion. So, so men get crucifixion. Like it says, love your wife like Christ loved the church, laying his life down for the church. Like we get to die. You guys get to submit. There's, some, there's, some, there's this beautiful dance inside of this. And here's the curse in Genesis 3.16. This is when sin entered the world and everything fell apart and everyone came out of this, of this concept. It says to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire, talking to the woman, your desire will, shall be for your husband and he shall shall rule over you. And so this is, this is all curse. What this is saying is her desire will be for his leadership and he will dominate her. So what it's saying is that, that both husband and wife are going to fight for rulership and headship in the home. 
Both are gonna argue and fight to who's in charge of this. And so that's part of the curse where we need to understand and be redeemed by the word of God and the blood of God and begin to serve and live and love according to kingdom and not just culture. Does that make sense? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Men, it's called, you're called to lead and to love and to, to die and to serve and to surrender. Uh, so it's not like since you're the leader, you tell everybody what to do. The only difference in you and your wife, you both are totally equal. The only difference is all the responsibility is on you, man. She said, praise God, Hallelujah. That's why a lot of y'all won't leave strong because you, you know biblically that Adam, God said that Adam would be accountable for the house and the spiritual warfare. And the, I'm not saying that women don't have spiritual warfare. And, and I, you know, when God picked t- uh, people to change the world and delete, he picked 12 men, he just did. And we believe in women pastors. We believe in women leaders. We have them here. This isn't a sexist talk. I got women. I got, I got, I got a woman. I got my wife. I got my, I'm it. I have a daughter as well. I have women in the home. There's, I have a daughter. I don't have women. I have a wife and I have a daughter. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's just that God put the responsibility on our shoulders, men, to change the world, to rise up, to lead our churches, to lead our families, to lead our homes, to lead our workplaces, to be strong. The responsibility is on you. Jesus laid his life down. What does that mean? How did, what did Jesus do? He took responsibility for our sins. He took responsibility for our shortcomings and our failures. He took, the Bible says, men, take responsibility for all those things in the house, whatever that might look like. And we've got to deal with these words, submission, ladies, <laughs> submission. Listen, the Bible says, this is going to free some of you ladies. The Bible says, wives, submit unto your own husbands. Submit unto your own husbands. Hear me. It does not say anywhere in the Bible, women submit to men. Doesn't say that. Come on, you can clap. Praise God. Yeah. Doesn't say, I'm talking about the home here. I'm talking about the house. I'm not talking about the workplace. I'm not talking about the church house. I'm not talking about the work. I'm talking about the home, healthy homes. It says, wives submit unto your own husbands, not women submit unto men. That's just, that's not the Bible. So wives submit to your husbands. This is why it's important who you pick. You get to pick and quit complaining. Or if you haven't picked yet, you get to pick. Or if you have picked, you better, you better be happy and be like, oh, yeah, we're going to work this out. Like, could you help lead my home? Like, like we, need, we need to go and, and believe. And listen, ladies, in the workplace, be a boss. At the workplace, be a leader. At the workplace, put a, you run things and be in charge and take charge and be strong. At the workplace, when you come home, you got to learn to take the hat, that hat off and begin to be submitted to the vision and leadership of your husband in the house. Does that mean you do everything he says and you grovel? No, 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 no. There's an equal unity and an equal voice and an equal opinion, but ultimately you're submitting and respecting his vision and his leadership for the home and, and, and major things. Does that make sense? I, I don't, I just, I think sometimes the God speaks some things to me sometimes he doesn't tell my wife. And, and, and he, he just says that, like when we were supposed to move from Charlotte to, to here, God told me, I'm gonna move you to Charlotte. So I, I didn't just be like, we're moving to Charlotte. Come on, woman. I didn't do that. But I, I submitted to her and I talked with her. I said, I think God's telling us to, uh, we're called to move to Charlotte. And eventually she was like, I'm not hearing that, but I'll follow you. Here's why we wish we, they heard it too, so we can blame them when it goes wrong. I'm like, you heard too. No, 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 no. 
you're going to have to have a real relationship with God, man, that you can lead your home. And, 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 and women, you need to pick a man that you can trust enough not to lose yourself and lose your voice or lose your identity. Someone you can look up to and love and you can respect and go, wow, I can submit to that man. Does that make sense? It's important. It's important. I don't mean like some sexist talk here. I'm Be a boss. Be a leader. Ladies, when, when, here's what's happening. Our society is training men to be women and women to be men. That's just what's happening. And so when, when, someone, when, a, when someone asks a woman, like, why should he marry you? Or why, what, what, what is, well, I'm strong. I, I, I know what I want. I'm a leader. I got my goals. I'm going to accomplish everything, and no one's going to get in my way. That's not attractive to him. It's, or when it's like, men, why should she, she marry you? Because I'm sensitive, and I'm kind. <laughs> And I'm caring. That's not a, I mean, I'm just being, re, like, yeah, that's a great thing. But if that's your number one resume, the top line, like, that's not attractive to her. Like, she wants someone that can lead and be strong. We don't, men don't need what we already have. We need someone to compliment and be strong and, and to be gentle and compassionate and kind and nurturing and caring of our family and our kids. Come on. I know this. Some of you are like, ah, I'm talking about the house. Hear me, I'm, I'm not talking about the workplace. He don't need a boss at home. Be a boss out there. I'm a boss. Be a boss. But when you come home, men, you got to learn to die. Women, you need to learn to say, okay, hey, I'm going to submit. I, I, I'm going to lay my life down. Here, I said this. Uh, it's very attractive, women, when, when you can anticipate the needs of your husband. What do, you, what do I mean by that? I, want, I tell my wife, I want you to love me like you love them, little kids. You defend them when they're wrong. You anticipate when they need a snack at three. It's going to be cold out and they need a little jacket. They need a little, you, you that's called anticipating the needs. That's attractive, ladies. I'm not saying we don't, I need, my wife is attractive to her when I anticipate her needs, but it's also attractive when I laid my coat down and there's a puddle or I open the door or I, or I pull out her chair. That's attractive. That's strong. That there's something sensual about those things. And society has tried to kill them. I think it's important that we walk and be strong. And now look, I'm not making these giant sweeping stereotypes, but I'm talking about in the home, there's ways for us to build and to nurture our home. Please hear me. I've got daughters. I've got a wife. Be a CEO. Be a leader. Be strong. But when it comes to the house, we need to both begin to learn how to add value and walk how God's called us to walk. We lay our lives down. Husbandry, men, husbandry is a gardening term. Nowhere in the Bible does it say wives garden the husband. Garden, care for, use your words, love her, build her up. Your mouth, men, your, your, your home will be as healthy as your mouth. Your, your, your words, everything with your words should heal her and, and care for her and any, any, any insecurities or any where she's been hurt or, or, or felt abused or anything in her life, you should be able to heal that with your words. Husbandry, watering and gardening and caring for it so that she can be nurtured. It doesn't say wives love your, love your husband. It says husbands love your wives. Love the wife of your youth. Here, here, so, so again, just it's important. Pick who you're gonna, pick someone you can do these things with. Right? If you're in a relationship right now and you are married and you feel like, man, I can't respect him and he can't leave me, then get away. Get out. Because it'd be better to get out than to fight the rest of your life for dominion and leadership of the home. Does that make sense? If you can do these things, then great. And allow God to help your heart. Uh, when we date, 
The thing about picking and dating, when we date, we date their representative. They, it's not the real them. They send a representative to make them look good. <laughs> you, you never date the real person. That's the, that's the perfect them, right? And then you get married, and when you get married, the, 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 you, now the wife kills the girlfriend. <laughs> And, and husband kills boyfriend, right? And then, you, and then a few years down the road, the mom kills wife, right? You don't believe me, but the kids are like, where's mom? I don't know. Where's your mother? It's mom now. Point is, the boyfriend and the girlfriend are still in there. You need to do what it takes to find them and to rekindle some things. And when life gets crazy and busy and full, uh, find that person that you fell in love with and begin to actually have some fun again and love them again and cherish and nurture them again. I'm going to give you a couple thoughts about marriage. Create a family culture. Create a family culture. Culture happens by design, not by default. And so what do I mean by that? Most divorces don't happen over vision. They happen over values. Churches split not over vision, over values. The, the vision is the what. The values are how we're going to do it. Well, we want to be successful. That's great. Well, I'm going to work 90 hours a week. Ah. Well, we want strong family. We're going to work 20 hours a week. I want you home every day. Ah. There, there's divorce that happens over values, not vision. Does that make sense? And so you need to design the values of your home. In my home, we have a value of prayer. I've prayed over my children every night of their life. My wife says, are you going to pray? My kids ask, are you going to pray for me tonight, Dad? Uh, we include God. We go to church. We're a family. We give. We serve. Uh, we tithe as a family. My kids have watched my wife and I tithe. Now my children tithe, and they believe, and they see. Uh, we, don't have, we don't have TVs in rooms as a family. I, uh, rooms are for rest and for com communication and for, for, for relationship. We don't put TVs in rooms. We don't just numb out in our room. I don't have one in my room. I don't tell my kids, oh, you can't have a TV, and then I've got one, and I'm just scrolling. No, 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 because I, if I want them to see... They do what I do, not what I say. And so I set values of that in the home, my money, my life, our, our family. So I would just ask you, figure out some values that you want in the home. When you're, if you're dating, young people, if you're dating, find someone with the same values, not just the same ones. Well, he's tall and I'm tall. Let's get married. <laughs> well, he wants kids and I want kids. Let's get married. Well, he wants to be successful and I want to be successful. Y'all are crazy. Like that's not, like find the right values in your life that you can pair up and lead together. Uh, learn to steer your life through tough times. Learn to communicate. There's gonna be tough times. Learn to fight well. I, just, I don't know if you're taking notes, man. Some of you are. Take, plan your fights. Like we're gonna fight at five o'clock on Saturday. This will save some of y'all's marriages. Some of y'all are like, we're going to talk right now. No, tell me how you feel now. And it's like one person is usually better verbally than the other person. Like I could destroy my wife verbally. It's what I do for a living, right? I... <laughs> and I've had to learn like not to over talk her. And to... She's a processor. She processes internally. And so I've got to set, we got to set some time where we can, she can process. It's got to, you have to be fair to one another about what each of you need, and then you sit down and have a fight. When you do fight, stay present in the fight. Proximity doesn't mean present. Usually when men are fighting and you're arguing with your man, he's making decisions in his mind. Usually men are making decisions when they're arguing. So men, don't do that. Stay present. Women, usually when you're arguing, you're, you're, you're reminding him about something that happened eight years ago when he wore red in the kitchen. Y'all got great memories. You're like, I remember eight years ago you said this and you were in a red shirt and black shoes. You're like, man, how? My God. 
and, and, we, and we end up not being present and we begin to use things on one another, men lose trust when you hit him with stuff from the past or you hit him with things or use things against him and challenge him and when he's already challenged. We don't need challenge. We need worked with and figure out how to work together. And Women lose trust when they can't trust you with fidelity and being, being faithful and, and keeping your, your eyes in their sockets. Come on, somebody. Proverbs says a godly woman, her husband, trusts in her safely. Men, your, your, your big thing is that you, you can easily invalidate your wife. And so one of the biggest marriage mistakes is that men will begin to invalidate their wives. Can I just say something? You can disagree and still validate your wife. We can, I think it's to be healthy in culture where we could disagree with each other and still validate. You might not agree with everything I'm saying today. That's fine. But you don't have to be like, I'm finding another church and I don't agree with anything. They don't like women. That's not true. We, we try to annihilate each other so we, so, we, so we don't have to have conversation. Like, we can disagree and still validate one another. Does that make sense? So I think it's important that we, we do that, men. Um, husbands want to be respected. Uh, wives, one of the sexiest things to your husband is verbal affirmation. He needs it. Come on, man. Can I get any help? Amen. We need verbal affirmation. We, we, were, we, were grow, we, were, we were grown up with it. Like we drew that little stupid picture that was crap and all of our parents were like, look at that, he's so creative. <laughs> That's Monet. You know, it's like, 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 look how beautiful that is. It's like, no, it's scribble, it's terrible. <laughs> but, we, but we were, so, so we still need that type of verbal affirmation. Most men have affairs when they get more verbal affirmation outside the home than they get in the home. Ladies, do not allow your husband to get more verbal affirmation outside the home than he gets inside the home. Ladies, men, your wives want to be loved. Well, yeah, I know that. What does that mean? Here's what it means. She wants to be seen and heard. Seen and heard. Most women have affairs because they are seen and heard outside the home more than they are inside the home. And it sounds something like this. I just felt like I could talk to him. I just felt like he heard me. Men, do not make your wives fight to be seen and heard outside the home. Do not invalidate, accept her, validate, see her, hear her. Wives, affirm your husbands. I'm out of time. I got some more thoughts for next week. I want to pray over your marriages. And is this helping anybody? We're called to meet the needs of our spouse. I believe God can make up the difference. He can add value where you're missing it. He can repair. He can heal. We need peace and unity in our homes. I'm praying for peace and unity. You know, in the Old Testament, when they said, put the blood of the lamb on the door of your house. Come on, we can go work in hell. We can go battle in hell, but we can't sleep in hell. We can't lay our heads down in hell. That's why the Bible says, put the blood of the lamb over the door of your house. Not the door of your work, the door of your church. Put the blood of Jesus over the door of your house so that we can lay down in peace and unity and begin to believe God to strengthen our homes. Come on, your home, your marriage is a mirror of the gospel out to a world that needs Jesus. Let me pray for you today. Father, thank you for just healing. Thank you for life. Thank you for the blood of the, of your, the lamb. Thank you that Jesus, you loved us and laid your life down for us. I pray for men right now in this house, Lord, that 
that they would take responsibility, that they would be able to learn how to lay their life down for their wives and, and care and laying down their will and their wants, laying down their agendas and their desires, taking responsibility for their homes and for their children. And I pray that any bullets that might have flying, that might have flown inside of houses, that might have hit kids or hit spouses, any bullets of, of things from verbal uh, just destruction, God, would be, be removed from houses today, God. I pray men that could use their words to build up their children and build up their wives and build up their families. I pray for responsible leadership in homes, oh God. I pray for women that it felt like no one was there to protect them, so they had to defend for themselves and, and fight for themselves and, and take leadership and be in charge and be the boss and be the leader. And she's scared to, to maybe turn over the reins a little bit of, of the spiritual leadership and the, and the household leadership. She's scared to trust a little bit. I pray you'd heal her today, oh God. That you'd heal marriages today, that they could walk in unity. And Lord, you said that two can chase 10,000. Lord, one can chase 1,000, but two can chase 10,000. I pray for a value system in a home that can chase 10,000 today. I pray for any area that's been broken in trust. God, would you heal today? I pray for supernatural healing, healing from any type of abuse or any type of, any type of uh, uh, just, Lord, any type of uh, sexual um, infidelity. Lord, I pray for, for any type of, any, anything that needs healed from verbal abuse, any healing, God, from, from a broken trust or a huge gap. Lord, that right now you would heal. Lord, I pray that we could forgive. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't keep our pain private. If there's pain in couples, they would, they would Lord, find some counselors, find some pastors. They'd find some friends. They'd find a connect group. They'd sign up maybe for EXO conference. They'd get some conversations going, and they'd be real and honest. You can't bless the, who we pretend to be. God, I pray that you would help us to be real. Help us not to be influenced by culture, but to make kingdom decisions today. We thank you for thy kingdom come, and thy will be done. In Jesus' matchless name. Come on, let's give praise to God today. I'm praying for your families. Love y'all so much. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.